Seattle Kraken hockey fans, Eric Lindsay Ayala, your host of Locked on Kraken. As always, I want to thank you for making Locked on Kraken your first listen of the day. Now, we've got some updates from what I was planning to have for you on today. Not quite a Turbo Tuesday, although we do have a Brandon Tanev update. So let's get into the episode. You are Locked On Kraken, your daily podcast on the Seattle Kraken, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are the Seattle Kraken. As I mentioned a week ago, we got a Turbo Tuesday that we didn't really want. Brandon Tanev tore his ACL. But on this Turbo Tuesday, we are happy to announce that the Seattle Kraken have announced that Turbo had a successful surgery. So now it's all about that recovery. Dave Haxtell, coach of the Seattle Kraken, obviously, probably knew that. Dave Haxtell talked to media yesterday, and here's what he had to say about the importance of Brandon Tin of knowing that his teammates and his coaching staff and everyone in the Seattle Kraken family has his back. Hey, Dave, thanks for doing this. Uh, just got good news on uh, Brandon Tanev's surgery and uh, rehab. You should be back in time for next season. Yeah. Uh, your immediate reaction and if you've gotten a sense of how these guys have uh, stayed with them emotionally. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's you know, it's a real positive that uh, everything went well uh, with, uh, you know, with the surgery. Uh, you know, now, obviously, there's there's a lot of work ahead for uh, for Brandon, but, you know, as you, you know, you've come to see on the ice, and and the, you know the way he works and uh, prepares. You know, he's going to do all the work necessary. You know, as he goes through his rehab here, and you know, it's interesting. You know, you ask about the support of teammates, and you know, and and the importance of that. It, it is really important because it's it's a long time, and uh, as you go through, you know, especially a season-ending injury uh, that can weigh a little bit more heavily on you. And uh, you know, I know guys will uh, you know guys will take care of Turbo in that way, and. He'll have a ton of support. So along with everyone else, we're sending you good vibes, Turbo. We over here at Locked on Kraken want to make sure that you are hitting the ice come next season, and we wish you a speedy and a solid recovery. Other updates. I thought we were going to have a Seattle Kraken game day this week. No, not so much. Verona, Delta, and all her little friends and kids hit the NHL once again, and the Seattle Kraken game against the Ottawa Senators has been postponed. So I'm going to take you back over to Dave Haxtell. What are the Seattle Kraken going to do? Well, they're going to get in the most practice time that they've had in quite a while. And I'm pretty excited about what he and the Seattle Kraken are going to focus on. Jeff. Hi, Dave. Uh, Hi, with, the, with the Ottawa cancellation later this week, it means you're only going to play about a handful of games within a three-and-a-half-week mm-hmm. or almost a four-week span. I'm just wondering what the challenges are for you as a coach trying to, to simulate some of that game action and practice. I mean, it's great you get to have extra practices, but you know you, you yeah. don't get the benefit of those live games to see guys in actual competition. I'm wondering how you – uh, how you simulate, yeah. how you go about simulating that at your practices going forward. Yeah. You know, Jeff, uh, I'm going to try not to wind all over the place here. Um, you know, we, we have to find the positives in it. 
Uh, and that's, you know, that's obviously that can be frustrating mid-season to have this large of a break. But as I look back over the last month, you know, we, we've had a lot of stop and go. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of days where there's been some indecision, some days where we've stayed away from the rink, um, you know, due to some of, uh, you know, the uh, just, you know, the, the threat of COVID and things like that. So, you know, in reality, uh, we really haven't had a ton of good practice time you know, over the last month, you know, as we come through the Christmas break and other things. So we have to really grasp, uh, you know, grasp that and, and take advantage of this week and have great quality practices. It's not, it's not the same as game action. You know, there's, uh, you know, we got to minimize, you know, the, the effect as we get back into a game uh, a week from now. Um, but we have to do that by having great practices. This will give us an ability uh, to get up and down the rink and skate a lot in practice, to execute in practice, to touch on some things that we haven't been able to touch on over the last month. Um, and we, you know, one of the biggest benefits for us uh, that I believe we can use it for is just to clear our, you know, clear our minds, uh, you know, get our thought process square and straight uh, and, and really get to work uh, over the next few days uh, as, as a group here in practice. And finally, Seattle Kraken fans, with there not being any more games, we're going to keep taking you to practice. I'm going to keep taking you to uh, some of the amazing conversations that I've had with hockey people around the sport. And that does include the second part of my conversation with Ann Kimmel, Rachel Donner, and Jess Belmosto talking about the USA rosters. We're going to get more into the men's roster and the sled hockey roster if you haven't listened to ann kimmel talk over on locked on predators check that out um highly recommend it although i will add locked on predators come on the gold medalists are the show the nhl sure they're the names but the gold medalists are the show just to be clear period point blank. Let's head over to the second part of my round table with the fabulous women of Locked on NHL and Rachel and Jess. Remarkable in the worst way possible. Yeah. Truly, truly remarkable. And yet somehow I am disappointed in myself because I have spoken on Locked on Kraken how I watched not even 10 minutes of a TNT broadcast and realized very quickly it was not for me because the first time I ever watched a TNT broadcast, Wayne Gretzky talked through not one, but two goals in live action. So that is it, true. That happened. So that was very, very troubling, but fret not everyone from the locked on family between the four of us, we are going to appropriately celebrate the roster that we did get. Yes. And with the help of Anne, do our best to celebrate the rosters that are to come. Right. We're going to get back into talking about the U.S. women's national team, the only roster that we officially have. Uh, but for right now, I want to remind you that if you got a beard, you got to get primal. That's right. 
You heard me correctly. You got a beard, you got to get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get primal. Maybe they're that person that has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. But primal origin oil is uh, the, the product that will help you stop that itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. And I can tell you, I've never grown a beard, but I've been around people that have, and grooming a beard is critical for all those that are around you. This product is free from harmful synthetic ingredients and it has a low impact on the planet. Primal Origin Oils makes balms, oils, and whipped butter that are renowned as the best feel in the beard product industry. And they are willing to put their brand to the test. So we know that every company says that they have the best, but again, Primal Origin Oils is willing to put that to the test. So they want you to try Primal Origin Oils in your beard and compare their ingredients to all the other beard products on the market. And they promise you will see and feel the difference. So when you use promo code locked on, you will get 20%, 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. Again, use that promo code locked on for 20% at checkout over at primaloriginoils.com. So let's let's get down to this because even though TNT fumbled the bag and did not understand the assignment, it sounded like Target Field they did. And one of the cool things is that USA Hockey, uh, the day after the Winter Classic or sometime after, uh, they put out the video. And um, so when Jen Broderill is talking about the crowd noise, you can't really hear the crowd noise in the video that they posted, which is unfortunate. But what you can see are just like the faces, especially of those with Minnesota ties. And just in their reactions, I feel like they felt the crowd, even if we can't hear it in the video. So let's go with Rachel who was your favorite uh, or who had your favorite reaction um, from the crowd shot that USA and the USA hockey video that was put out? I think it was Caroline Harvey. She was kind of a deer in headlights and you could see it when Savannah Harmon was getting introduced. You could see her in the background, like total deer in headlights. And then all of a sudden the camera was on her and then she started smiling in this like really awkward smile and waving. And I just was like, yes, this is the moment. This is your moment. <laughs> it was very funny. It was very yeah. funny. The, yeah, that was a good one. Jess, how about you? Who was your I'll, favorite? You know, I'm gonna have to piggyback off of Rachel because, like, it's as somebody who does not know how to like introduce myself or like celebrate myself in like those situations. I would probably be doing something very similar. <laughs> I am going to divert a little bit here, although I do think that was a great. There were a bunch of great reactions, but my personal favorite was Grace Zumwinkle. First time, uh, named for the first time to an Olympic team. And she just like, you know, was just like like doing that laugh where you just like can't stop shaking your shoulders and waving. And it was the cutest thing. Now, and we know that you don't know the names of most of the players. Um, and fortunately, TNT didn't help with that. But if you were able to see that video, uh, was there any moment in that video that stood out to you? 
You know what's so funny that stood out to me the most in that whole video, and this sounds really hokey, but it's just what's real, is the girls behind the the women stick tapping. Stick tapping. On, I loved that. And I'm thinking, can you imagine being one of the young girls chosen to stand there while Olympians are introduced in front of you and you get to stick tap for them? Like there is something so beautiful about watching something like Olympians through the eyes of future Olympians or people who understand and have a reverence for what it takes to do that. And so for me, you know, the mom and me was just like, that is so beautiful. Let's look at this next generation who someday may be the ones who say, I was standing there when these women were introduced for the 2022 Beijing Olympics. And now here I am like, I just loved that. Yeah. And you know why I think that's important? Um, even though I have talked critically about the hashtag my why tour and stuff like that mm -hmm. on this podcast is because what TNT did give us was uh, like maybe 60 seconds or so of a feature on Hillary Knight. Although they didn't provide the context that this will be her fourth Olympic team, which would have been helpful for people like Anne who, you know, might have seen her on SNL, but really don't know why she's talking. Anyway, I digress. But what Hillary Knight shared and it's a story that she's told before is that she remembers telling her grandmother that she was going to be an Olympian and she was going to play hockey at the Olympics. And at the time that she told her grandmother that women hadn't even competed in their first Olympic tournament. Yes. And she told her grandmother that she was going to do it and she did it. And she now is one of, again, just a handful of less than a handful of women who have represented the United States at an, at four Olympic games. Like that is why that is the, my why, right? That's why representation matters. And so again, without the context, without the full context on the TNT broadcast, you really miss an opportunity. You miss an opportunity to tell someone growing up in Idaho, like Hillary Knight did, you know, however many years ago that, yeah, this is something that you can do. And here are some of the names of people that you should investigate to figure out how they got there so that you can, you know, find some tips and do the same. So that's, I think, what is so disappointing on top of the fact that it's almost expected, not almost, it is expected that women's hockey is going to get the short end of the stick. Um, even when it's a national team that is right a gold medal winning championship team from the last Olympics. But Anne, oh, Anne, I feel like yeah. you might know something about that. The disrespect, as we mm -hmm. say in the WNBA, particularly the Connecticut, like CT, get it? C C anyway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they go so hard on that. It is hilarious. Anyway, but Anne, that's not the only team that is representing the United States in China. That has an Olympic gold medal from 2018 that at least the women were kind of sort of there, but mm -hmm. sled hockey, where they at? Do we even know who's on the roster? So, yeah, I was waiting with bated breath, you know, say, okay, well, that didn't go great with the women. Maybe they'll bring the sled hockey team out. And I kept looking in the background like any anybody and there was nothing. And so I reached out to a couple of my, my sled hockey friends that I have not heard back yet. Um, logistically, I understand that um, the sled hockey team has a little bit longer to submit their official roster because 
the Paralympics start in the beginning of March. So they have a little bit more time. And I will tell you that they like to take as much time as they can because there is so much depth in the sled hockey community to really pick their people. Now, I don't think you have to be Scooby-Doo to figure out Josh Pauls, who was, you know, the captain last year, is I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say he's going to be on the team. And so for me, as somebody who feels like this is the same, you know, this is a group of men, a group of men, that's for another um, podcast, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, but this is a well, that's our part, part three. three. <laughs> part three. This is a, another group of athletes who are going to represent this country in international competition. And they're really great at it. You know, they won in an just an absolute thriller of an overtime match against Canada for the gold medal in 2018. They won at the World Championships in 2021 after losing their very first game to Canada in that competition and came back and won against Canada in the gold medal match. This is a group of athletes who are ready to represent this nation in a very competitive sport and a super exciting sport and it was there was just nothing and so for me it was frustrating and I also don't like I just don't want to see this um delineation between Olympics and Paralympics because what you have are just phenomenal professional well amateur in theory but athletes who are committing their lives to competing for this country and to not have that be there and be represented and be celebrated at the same time for me was a little bit disappointing, but yeah. we will have that roster. When that roster comes out, you all will know and we will break it <laughs> all yes. down. Hashtag squad cast. That's right. Um, but Jess- and I really appreciate that comment about not delineating between yes. the Olympics and the Paralympics. I think, um, you know, I lived in Salt Lake City at the time of the 2002 Olympics. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson that I took out of it, having been in and around the games for the full breadth of it, and mm-hmm. that the excitement was just as high for the Paralympics. Yeah. And, and I think it's important. Yes. Yeah. And the the amount of time and investment and training. And I mean, it's just astounding to me that people might not view the Paralympics as uh, um, athletes who are as invested in their craft and in their sport, because um, these these sled hockey players are all in. So, yeah, that's that's a one for me where I really I thought I love the idea of the Olympic teams and the Paralympic teams being announced together. But that didn't happen at all. It's a shame. (laughs) It's a shame. And I do. And I'll put this link in the show notes, uh, especially because I just love to mention that it happened at City Field. Uh, That has no bearing on the information. Like the Mets had nothing to do with that per se, but um, it just makes me feel good as a Mets fan. Anyway, um, it's not about me, but uh, what we did see is that all of those rosters were announced together and there were highlights from all three uh, U.S. teams that wouldn't be again representing at the Winter Games. Uh, the Olympics and Paralympics, and we missed that. But another piece of this equation, and I mean, I guess we all talk about men's hockey on our daily podcast, so we should maybe talk about the men too because equality. Um, anyway, uh, I, I was trying so hard to say that with a straight face, and, and then I, I broke. I broke. Anyway, um, <laughs> but Jess, we don't have the men's roster either. 
We no. do know that um, NHL players are not going. So at least for the Kraken, that means that uh, for Philip Grubauer and Alexander True, who's in our um, in our feeder system, that they will not have the opportunity to represent their respective countries. Um, but when do you think we're going to get that uh, men's roster? Like, you know, TikTok here. Yeah. I don't like part of me thinks that it was delayed because they were waiting for this COVID situation with the NHL to sort itself out. And because the NHL promised the players, yes, you're going because we put you in bubble cities and that's what, you know, and now it's been taken away and whatever, whatnot. Uh, I think maybe there was some sort of hopefulness that they would still get the NHL players but I would I would say hopefully by the end of this or this week or next week because I don't know I, I don't know who these players are I, I don't they might like to practice wow. yeah that that too that might be important uh, especially before going across the world um, well and I know coaching staffs too I, um. Predators head coach John Hines was supposed to travel to the Olympics and do some assistant coaching there. You know, my heart goes out to whoever they recruit now to do some coaching because, you know, you talk about being kind of under the gun to get get the team together and get it moving and get it coached and, and kind of systems updated on the same direction. I mean, this is this is going to be a, a challenging role for anybody. Right. And I mean... I- the head coach of the U.S. men's team is should be banned from hockey um, to begin with. And then you have the former coach who was um, also involved in a cover-up. And then the coach before him was also involved in a cover-up. So maybe we just, like, need to stop giving men's hockey so much credit. And I don't know. Yeah. That's my hot take for the day. No so more men's hockey. No, no more men's hockey. Um, <laughs> yeah, they've got some things to work out. Um, yeah. But presumably they will field a team. I would argue that of all of the teams that could uh, be splashed together last minute and be a metal contender, the men's team is not the one um, of the three. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, I do wonder, Rachel, we saw, of course, that the World Juniors was, the the show must go on, and then they tried, and then COVID, and, you know, Rona, Omarion, and them said, uh, nah, we're not doing this. Um, But, Rachel, one thing that you mentioned that I did want to get to, World Juniors is massive in the hockey world. It's an opportunity to see young talent up and coming from, literally across the world. And I do think there's a lot more equity when it comes to talking about other national teams outside of North America, when it comes to world juniors, because of how, if we're being honest, players, international players uh, perform at the NHL level, but something else. And we, you know, alluded to the, the, the doorbell camera earlier, but between world championships, and Anne, you and I talked about this on the sled hockey side, between the cancellation of world championships, uh, all kinds of different um, boycotts for equity, and no U18s on the women's side for the last two seasons, 
the women's hockey landscape, Rachel, has looked very different since the last time that we had the Olympic tournament in 2018. In what ways do you think that will impact not just this roster, but how we feed the women's pipeline moving forward? I think it's been very difficult for some of the younger players to get, you know, what they can do out there because these top flight tournaments have been canceled or postponed and then never heard from again. Whereas, you know, they find a way to make the men's tournaments happen. And, you know, obviously, even though World Juniors was canceled, you know, in midstream, they at least tried to do it. And I, I think that there's some sort of effort to try and reschedule it and kind of reboot world juniors. So I don't see why they can't do that for the U 18s and to have not had that opportunity for, and, and to your point, Erica, about not just USA and Canada, this is, you know, the Finnish national team, the Swedish national team, like other teams have quality hockey players on them. And the women's game is growing in quality around the world. And so to have, you know, the feeder system, much like World Juniors is in some ways to the NHL in terms of uh, a showcase for potential draftees. You need these U18 tournaments to be a showcase for potential Olympic teams and to, to not have that. And then, you know, the, the doorbell cam from the last year that it did happen where you just logged onto a stream with no commentary that was a fisheye lens that you couldn't even watch. I mean, how are, how is anybody supposed to get to know these players mm -hmm. as fans? And then how are people supposed to, you know, market themselves as potential candidates for future Olympic teams? Yeah, it it's really tough. And we do see that we have some youngsters on, on this USA women's team, uh, Caroline Harvey and Abby Murphy at 19. The average age is 25.9 years old. So basically 26. Um, but we know that uh, there are so there's some teenagers represented. Usually we do see a, a great deal of players that are still in the college system. That's been changing. I think on the women's side, at least USA hockey's actually been getting older. I think that is, if I'm being honest, because you still have Hillary Knight, Brianna Decker, Kendall Coyne Schofield playing. Um, I wonder what that's going to look like though. Yeah. Although I do want to give some props to Haley Skimura because she's been around, like she played at Northeastern. She did, she was on the Buffalo Buttes in the NWHL for, I think three years. Um, she's been skating with the PWHPA. Like she has been around and this is her first time on the Olympic team. And I am so happy and proud of her. So proud. Also very thankful that you got that in there because Regardless of how you feel, and we'll bring you up to snuff on all of that drama on another podcast. But regardless of how you feel, and Haley Skamura is the first member of a U.S. women's Olympic team to come through the domestic, as in the United States, professional league. That has never happened before because there never was 
a women's professional league in the United States. We had the CWHL, of course, which is Canadian-based, um, and there were players and athletes that represented the United States that played in the CWHL, Julie Chu, one of them, Hillary Knight. I mean, we could go on and on and on. But Haley Skimura is the first time we can say that because there was women's professional hockey in the United States, that now this athlete had an opportunity to enter into the senior women's national team program. And I think that is amazing. Yeah, she and was not even like that. We're all excited. (laughs) She was not in the conversation when she was in college and she would not have had a shot were it not for the professional ranks. Absolutely. So you mean like there is a benefit to (laughs) women's professional sport? What? No, that can't be it. (laughs) Interesting. I will take that up with a first name bunch of numbers on Twitter. Um, crazy that you know oh well women's teams aren't that good like it's not they're not profitable because you one they you don't know that you don't know what Mm -hmm. these people's business side things look like uh number two when you are watching the some of the most talented players in the world through that little fish island and you're just supposed to squint and try to watch it, you're not getting anything from it. So, like, Mm -hmm. last year when the NWHL playoffs were on Twitch and when that deal was announced, that was so exciting because I was still a newer fan and I I didn't know where to watch games or how to watch games. And to be able to bring people in, especially because it was a it is a free platform and then you get the ESPN Plus deal on top of it, Mm-hmm. there's so much available for you to watch when people actually want to put their money behind it. And that's a whole nother podcast, yeah. but. Well, I mean, and going off of that, Jess, I'm just curious and I have no idea because I didn't think to ask you this and until right now, but like, what was your first um, exposure to women's hockey just at all? Okay, so that's so funny you asked me because I'm almost a little bit embarrassed as to what it is, except that I was all in. And it was when the um, they were going to do the bubble last year and the Twitch said, hey, you can watch this free. And I was like, I love, I love hockey. And there was, a, there was some sort of a marketing social media thing where um, they said, you know, you need to pick your favorite team. And I thought, well, okay, you know, I'm, I'm ready. And so they had different videos and I swear to you, and I'm embarrassed about this. And yet I stand by it that I was like Connecticut whale all the way because of fins up. Like that's all it took for me to go to their website and to buy the t-shirt and to put literally put the games in my calendar so that I knew sit down pull that sucker up and to be able to, in the chat, talk with people who knew all the, I mean, I was reading this chat and I'm thinking I'm getting so smart. And um, I mean, that's all it took because I really think when you open the door for women's hockey, the product sells itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was all in all I had, all I needed was this little, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but it worked for me. This little social media campaign about here are the teams, here are some of the players, here's why they think you should root for their team. And I was like, fins up, I'm in. And, I love- and that was it. That was it. 
That's and, and it was worth it. It was so worth it because when I tuned into the product, it was exciting. I just needed the door. Wow. I love that. And you know what? I, you've all been guests. You have all been a guest on <laughs> Locked on Kraken before. Um, and as you know, I like to ask my guest, how did you fall in love with hockey? But now, and you've just given me a thought and we'll close on this, but we're going to remix that. And, Anne, you told your story, yep. but Rachel and Jess, tell me how you fell in love with women's hockey. Ooh. So growing up, uh, my aunt played in a bunch of adult leagues and we would go and we'd watch her. And then a few of my friends in high school played at a really competitive style. I mean, I'm not athletic by any means, but I, I think I can judge players pretty well, assess them. Uh and then when I began writing about sports and writing specifically about hockey, um, I followed the ice garden and really started, you know, to absorb women's hockey. Um, I didn't really write about it because I felt like I didn't know enough. And, uh, you know, I just kind of stood back from afar and absorbed information and kind of got familiar with the league and, you know, what to watch and who to watch. And, uh, I just kind of fell in love with it. I think it's just, a, they're all really nice people, at least the people that I've met and spoken to. And um, it's a good community out there and we have each other's back. And I think that's what's important. Uh, I think for me, it goes back to that 2002 Olympics experience that I had. Um, I had the fortune of being in graduate school at the University of Utah at the time. And the school shut down for the Olympics, obviously, because they turned the dorms into the Olympic Village and all of that. And so we all got jobs during the games. And so I worked at the Medals Plaza downtown where they you know, did the award ceremonies every night. And so... <laughs> when the women's, I, I went to some of the games too. Like my mom came out to visit and we went and saw um, two of the women's tournament games uh, in the round robin. So it was just such a thrill to be able to see those games. But then with my job, um, when they did the medal ceremony for the women's hockey event, which, you know, very sadly, it was Canada that won that year, but we're not going to talk about that. But the greatest moment of my life probably was when I got to talk to Julie Chu, kind of behind the scenes. She let me try on her medal. She was the nicest human being on this planet. And I was that was it. I was like, I, I am a women's hockey fan for life. And in fact, it got me eventually, it took me a few years after that, but I put on some skates and I learned how to play hockey myself and started playing in beer leagues and, and whatnot in Utah as a result uh, of that whole thing. But yeah, that USA team in 2002, especially Julie Chu will forever hold a special place in my heart. Okay. There are so many cool things about that story. <laughs> like, first of all, they gave y'all jobs. What? Well, I had to get the job myself. Like, I had to apply for it. Okay. But just that's what we all did because there was nothing else to do. Oh, okay. During I, I that break. Like, oh, we're just going to use the students. I was like, that's and they just kicked you out of your dorms. Like, that's. Well, no, I mean, I had an apartment because <laughs> I was in grad school. Okay, that makes sense. 
It was just the undergrads that got oh. kicked out. Well, damn. So, but... Who needs Olympics are here? Yeah, for... right, exactly. F your education. Yeah. Like... <laughs> we'll put you up in a hotel. It's fine. Right. Oh, my gosh. And yes, Julie Chu, I've gotten a chance to interview her a handful of times. And she is such a delight. She is. And I got to, um, eventually I went to skate at her and Caroline's uh, women's clinic that they do up in Montreal. And so I got like taught how to play hockey better by Julie and Caroline and some other great Olympians. And it, yeah. (laughs) It was incredible. It was so cool. I'm like geeking out from your story. (laughs) Like can't stop smiling. Wow. Okay. So what I've determined is we need to talk about women's hockey more on the lockdown platform and you're all invited back like always, but we should do this more often. Um, Julie Chu's stories. I'm totally here for it. I talk about how my sister got me into hockey, but it was Julie Chu that got my sister into hockey. So really, you know, like she does that of Julie Chu or whatever, like it, she's the, the Kevin Bacon or whatever. Um, so we're like, Kevin Bacon wishes he was Julie Chu. Mm-hmm. How about that? <laughs> but this was fantastic. But uh, Jess, Anne, and Rachel, thank you so much for joining me to celebrate the women's national team, to ask a lot of questions as to who else is going to represent the United States. And we're just going to have to do it again because, you know, we're, we're counting down the days until we get to Beijing. It is definitely a different world from the last time we had a Winter Olympics. But uh, as with all of the Olympians and the staff, and of course, everyone, myself included, going to China, we want to make sure everyone stays as healthy and safe as possible. And for all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening to Locked On. Flyers, Flames, Predators, and of course, Locked on Kraken, and we'll catch you sometime tomorrow. All right, folks, so I had to remix this a little. You probably saw if you're watching on YouTube, the ad reads, I was wearing a different outfit because I pre-recorded that. I know, I'm telling you all the secrets, but you, you noticed anyway, so it's all good. Okay, so tomorrow we'll stay uh, with the Seattle Kraken. Later in the week, I do want to take you, I, I mentioned last week, Again, Everett Fitzhugh was our 100th episode. Check that out. I'm pointing up to it here. Also placing the link in the show notes if you're listening wherever you listen to podcasts or if you're watching on YouTube. But I mentioned that I had a little bit of extra with Everett Fitzhugh. And that is because we talked about the Black Hockey History Museum that's on tour right now. If you follow me at elindsay08, that's E-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y 08, you know that I will be working with American Legacy Network, not only for my coverage of black athletes in Beijing, China at the Winter Olympics, but also I will once again be working the Black Hockey History Museum, including the stop in Seattle that's coming up in April. But if you want all of the dates for the Black Hockey History Museum, check out the link that I have. I'm also going to pop it up on the screen for you here. I will be in New York. Then once I get come back from the Olympics, I will be in Detroit. I mentioned I will be in Seattle. I'm also planning to be at the Kings, at the Ducks, and in Arizona. I think 
those are all of the sites that I'm going to, but I'll keep you updated. You can follow me personally. Please follow American Legacy Network. They do a fantastic job every year for the past three years with the Black Hockey History Museum. And I am so honored to work with them on this and of course to partner with them for my coverage of Black athletes at Beijing Olympics. And it's not looking like we're going to have too many people in the ice hockey competitions. We do know Sarah Nurse from the Canadian women's team. We'll see who's on the men's team uh, per what I talked about with Anne and Jess and Rachel. But great things coming this week on Locked on Kraken, even though we won't have a Seattle Kraken game day for a little while. But I'll keep you updated on what we do know. As always, I'm reminding you as part of Kraken Nation to hold fast, to stay true, and hey, you know, let's go Kraken. I'll catch you tomorrow.